For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, Wizards fans? Welcome to another Believe in Wizards podcast. I'm your host, Matt Moderno. As always, just like to remind you to rate, review, subscribe. Again, ratings are may seem silly, but they help us. They get you on the algorithm so that when people search Wizards podcasts, we show up. The more people listen, the better guests and things like that we can get. So help us help you provide a better show. Uh, there's merch available on the Believe.com website, and you can get a... Uh, putting the mid and mid Atlantic t-shirt or a we will never ever tank t-shirt and just uh, represent the show and, and have a, a little laugh at the team's expense. Uh, since, you know, sometimes it seems like they're having a laugh at our expense. Uh, we're going to get into all that today. I've got Gibson Lowenberg of the Wiz of Oz joining me, and we're just going to talk through uh, some of the trade deadline stuff. Specifically, I've been participating in a sort of fake mock trade deadline that sports ethos is running. Uh, specifically, the bird rights podcast is uh, putting this all together, Stephen Miguel, and they're doing like an awesome job of just kind of coordinating this. And there's a GM representing each team in the NBA. And I was picked to be the Wizards representative. So uh, Gibson and I are going to talk a little bit about some of the moves I've made thus far and some of the things on the table. And you could weigh in on whether or not I'm doing a better job than Tommy would have done, or if I've screwed the thing up here completely. And uh, just give us some feedback after the show. Let me know what you think of the potential moves uh, that that are on the table here. Uh, we'll also talk a little bit about some of Tommy Shepard's comments on the Rui Hachimura trade and just, you know, what's sort of the the way this, what's the natural progression of this season? How do we expect things to play out and what what should we want the outcome of this year's season to be? So we'll get into all that good stuff in a minute. First word from our sponsor, Bet Online. Basketball is back and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% off welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B L E A V, to receive your rewards. Bet Online, where the game starts. Okay, uh, with that, we're going to get to my conversation uh, with Gibson here in a second. Just going to do a little giveaway. We do have some big news that we should be able to announce here shortly. It sounds like I will be getting a new podcast co-host uh, full-time here. It is a former member of the Washington Wizards. So if you can go on Apple iTunes and leave a review for the show, plus your guess on who the new co-host will be, uh, the first person to get it right, I will give a free t-shirt from the show too. And we can go from there. All right, so... Again, you're going to go to iTunes, you're going to leave a review, and you're going to guess 
in that review who you think the new co-host will be. Again, as a former wizard and the first person who gets it right, uh, we will uh, we'll get some swag too. So uh, let us know, and uh, we look forward to seeing those reviews. All right, uh, with that, we're going to get to this combo with Gibson. All right, I'm pleased to welcome on uh, first-time guest of the show, Gibson Lohenberg. Gibson, the first question I ask all new guests of the show, which NBA player is your own basketball game most reflective of, or you know, most most well-reflected by? Who, who does your, your game look like, I guess? And bonus points if you pick a wizard. <laughs> um. I feel like I always like to say Kyrie Irving, but I know Ooh. I'm absolutely not Kyrie. Um, okay. Probably more of like a Duncan Robinson. Oh, all right. There you go. So, so you, Duncan, not the best ball handler. Kyrie, maybe the best ball handler. A little bit of both. Yeah. Um, I like to think that I'm a good point guard, but I also I tend to rush things, and I uh, haven't had the uh, court slow down in my mind just yet. I hear you. As somebody who physically cannot dribble with their left hand uh, without being an instant turnover, I wish I could be Kyrie just for a few minutes. That uh, would be pretty fun. <laughs> okay, so Gibson, I think you know we've got some stuff here to talk about. The trade deadline is obviously coming up. The Wizards have made one move already, which we've covered on the show, but there's still sort of this notion of what's out there for the Wizards and what should they do or what could they do. So I mentioned in the soft intro here that there is a mock trade deadline exercise going on. I'm participating for the Wizards, and I've completed one deal so far. So I want to get your reaction to that, and then we can talk through some of the other things, uh, you know, that might be on the table here uh, over the next couple of days. So the first one, I traded Kyle Kuzma, which hurt me so much as my current favorite Wizard, and Vernon Carey, which hurt me a lot less, <laughs> for Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell of the Sacramento Kings. The thought being that. Keegan could be a cheaper replacement with some upside and come in and play the four spot longer term. And Davion could be that sort of uh, point of attack defender. He looked really good in small sample sizes when there weren't all these other guards sort of blocking him to minutes for the Kings. He's kind of regressed this year overall, but I still buy that there's some potential there despite him being a little on the older side for a relatively new NBA player. I guess, what's your initial reaction to the trade? Did I blow this one? Like, does it make sense? Where are you at with that? I actually really like this trade for the Wizards on a few different angles. Ooh, okay. uh, one, as a native Iowan, I absolutely <laughs> love watching Keegan Murray play. Nice. Okay. Cool. Uh, Keegan Murray, uh, he's a fantastic three-point shooter, and he's got a lot of upside uh, as an attacker as well. He can play two, three, and maybe probably should avoid playing at the four at times, but he's capable of doing it. I think he would be a fantastic addition in exchange for Kyle Kuzma, not to mention adding Davion Mitchell, one of the best perimeter defenders at the point guard position in the NBA. So something you said there, see, I see Murray almost exclusively as a four. I'm curious why you think he he shouldn't play there. To me, he's way too slow to guard anybody full-time on the perimeter, I I guess. Am, Am I missing something there in the eval? Um, I believe the Kings are playing him a lot, actually the two and the three this season. He may look better at four at times, but I think due to his uh, the way they're using him in, on offense, they should probably stick to using him as a two or three for now. Okay, interesting. Uh, and, and Mitchell, do you see him being able to be, I don't know, a full-time point guard? Is he just a, a guard defender? You know, I, I think... To me, he's like more than the Gary Payton, the second kind of guy who's more of just a a ball mover and uh, a stopper. Like he can actually run offense for people and, and get people into sets and things like that, too. 
Yeah, I could absolutely see Davion Mitchell developing the ability to run an offense. But for right now, I see him more as, like you said, a Gary Payton the second type player, although a little bit better. He's a bit more athletic, a bit quicker, a bit more able to read what's going on, slightly better defender. Uh, so right now I could see him pairing really well with Bradley Beal. To me, he's like DeLon Wright, plus he can actually dribble. Like DeLon Wright's been really good. <laughs> it's just, it's somehow like his handle seems less tight in the NBA than it did in college. Maybe that's better defenders with better athletes. I don't know. But uh, Davion strikes me as somebody that that can actually like, you know, um, advance the ball against pressure and things like that, that we've seen DeLon Wright maybe struggle with a, a little bit more this year, but that's not to slander DeLon. Uh, he's been, been awesome. So I guess Keegan Murray this year, over the last two weeks, let's say he's averaging close to 16 points, about seven rebounds, one assist, and he's hitting almost four threes a game. That's slightly higher than he's been for the season, although not that much, but it, it does seem like he's come around more lately and we're starting to see the kind of player he could be long-term. So while I think he's a, Short-term downgrade from Kuzma, I think longer term, you're not getting a ton of drop-off in terms of actual, you know, uh, player production, but he's also on a much friendlier team, you know, uh, much friendlier deal for the team uh, for the next couple of years at the very least. So hopefully that's something that they could, they could look into. I guess everything that's gone on with Kyle Kuzma and the way the Wizards have talked about him. I'm still not like totally convinced that this we have to keep him thing isn't a little bit of posturing on their end to try to drive up the market. I do believe they want to keep him, but I think he could still be pried away if somebody gave them the right offer. This is the kind of offer it would take to me to get them to actually do it. And that's how I went into this exercise is like, I wouldn't just trade him for like a couple, like two first round picks or whatever, because I didn't think the team would do this. I thought they would want good young pieces to kind of not blow up this season but also would maybe help them longer term. Do you think that sort of makes sense for what the team might actually look for if they were willing to trade him? I absolutely agree. Actually, ironically, I wrote an article last night about the exact same thing mm -hmm. uh, over on Wiz of Oz. I covered uh, the Knicks, Hawks, and Suns and what they could give up that could possibly convince Tommy Shepard and the Wizards to move on from Kyle Kuzma. Any particular deal out of that article uh, that that stood out to you as something that like made made the most sense in, in terms of a package? Um, I saw the one I really liked the most was the one with the Knicks. I could see them trying to leverage Obi Toppin and his ability to just dunk the ball and shoot the ball as well. And while he just doesn't get an opportunity in New York, I could also see them trying to tack on Cam Reddish and possibly even Emmanuel quickly and possibly even a pick if the Wizards are really savvy to try and get Kyle Kuzma. I know better than to like hate on Tommy Shepard as a trader this far. I mean, I, I kind of had some mixed feelings, let's say, about the Rui Hachimura deal. And I don't know, looks like Kendrick Nunn is back to old Kendrick Nunn, at least most of the way. And, and to get a couple picks, um, you know, in addition to that is a pretty good deal. Over Kuzma's last six or seven games, uh, he's had a couple, two 30 point games, a 40 point game, two high 20 point games. And then, a, the only other game where he wasn't in the twenties was a double, double. Like he's been really, really good. It would hurt me to trade him. I think it would hurt him, them to trade him, to be honest, but I don't know. I, I just see that them half like them having to do something here, uh, to help themselves longer term. And, uh, this was kind of the best I could do. The other offer that was kind of on the table was from the heat. They offered Caleb Martin. Dwayne Dedman 
and a first round pick for Kyle Kuzma. I didn't think that was enough to like actually get that kind of deal done to me. Like Caleb Martin's a solid player. I don't think there's like a ton of untapped upside left there, despite liking him. Deadman is getting DNPs and basically just salary filler for this. And then the first would probably be like a late first round pick. And I think that just didn't seem to make sense for what the Wizards would try to do. Are you with me on that one? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you on that one. They'd almost have to tack on a player like uh, Kyle Lowry or even or even Tyler Hero to be able to get that deal done, in my opinion. I think they would probably happily move uh, Lowry at this point, just given the, the level of production versus the contract, although I guess he is expiring. So who knows what what that deal even looks like. Uh, the other thing I won into this trade deadline trying to do was to trade Rui Hachimura. Obviously, that's now happened in real life. In this mock trade deadline, we are still going as if it was the rosters, you know, pre all the trades. So Rui is still on my, uh, you know, my multiverse version of, of this Wizards roster. And just there's not really like a good deal out there for him that I found thus far. It, it seems like teams have like really undervalued what he could bring to them. Uh, I got offered John Wall for Rui straight up, considering that it seems like Kawhi Leonard is pushing for the Clippers to move on from the point guards they currently have. That's not a ringing endorsement. Wall's averaging about nine points, three rebounds, four assists for the season. So not bad. He is the kind of guy that could probably help them, you know, if he were more of the wall of old. I don't know that he gets into the teeth of the defense the same way anymore, which is what I think the Wizards could use. And then the other offer, I sort of explored a Rui for Zach Collins trade from San Antonio Spurs, kind of a, a power forward slash center, depending on you know the role and fit with the team. He's been really good over the last couple of weeks. He's averaging about 10 and a half points, about six rebounds and about two and a half assists. So there's even a little playmaking from a big. Uh, they thought Collins was so much wildly better than Hachimura that they wanted me to throw in a first round pick on top of that, which it doesn't really make sense for for the Wizards to do that. I get why the Spurs wouldn't want, you know, something like that. But I figured maybe they could give Rui a tryout before free agency and see if he fit with what they wanted to do. And uh, Collins doesn't really seem to fit into the long-term plans there. So I was willing to go with one of the second round picks that the Wizards currently have, uh, but that wasn't sort of enough for them. Any either of those make sense to you in any way? Like, would you be willing to go Rui and the first for Zach Collins? That seemed crazy to me. Um. To me, I was I was one of the people that didn't really want Rui Hachimura to be traded. Okay. Uh, I, but bouncing off a tweet you made a while ago, I I also saw a lot of Danny Granger in his game when he had his shots falling. I understand why they weren't able to get in real life what they wanted out of him due to his inconsistency and and ability to play games on a regular basis. But now that Kendrick Nunn is actually playing and playing in a system that works for him. I actually am starting to like what they got in return for him in real life. And I think that is far more realistic than either one of the options that you've been given so far. Yeah. If Nunn keeps this up for the rest of the year and they can do anything else with those second round picks, I think that would be at least a marginal win for Tommy given just sort of where they were. With Rui Hachimura, I know it drove Wizards fans crazy the first couple of days that Rui was in LA. It was like, oh my God, here's this other superstar that the Wizards gave up. And like that's how the media talked about him after like a 14-point game. But now I'm already starting to see some more, wow, Rui is really bad defensively tweets. And and I don't know that that's necessarily true, but sometimes he's bad, sometimes he's good. And uh, I think that was always sort of the, the issue there with Rui. 
The other thing that's been reported is that the Suns turned down a trade involving Jay Crowder uh, and Rui Hachimura, according to Mark Stein, and said the obstacle in those discussions was that the Wizards actually desired to flip Crowder to the Bucks at that point. I don't know who they would have looked to get back from the Bucks. We saw some reporting that the Wizards were interested in Serge Ibaka, so maybe that's who they wanted, but the three teams apparently discussed a deal and couldn't work out an agreement that flipped, um, you know, that appealed to Washington as much as that Lakers offers did. So to me, just trying to piece all these things together with the various reportings, if the Wizards traded Hachimura and ended up with like the ghost of Serge Ibaka at this point, I would consider that like a huge downgrade from the deal they actually uh, ended up with. Did you see any appeal to trying to get Ibaka at this point for the Wizards? Uh, I could see a little bit of appeal there. They do desperately need a backup center for games that Kristaps Porzingis missed. And to be completely honest, he's going to continue missing games. He's not the pinnacle of health, so to speak. He uh, behind Gaffer right Gafford right now. They're playing currently playing Taj Gibson, and he's just not anywhere n- near what they need off the bench at that position. So I could see them trying to pursue for Ibaka, but my guess is Milwaukee just wants more than what any team would be willing to give up. I mean, for them, I, I think Crowder makes a ton of sense for Milwaukee if they could have gotten Crowder for Ibaka. And, and I don't know, there must be other pieces in that deal that they weren't willing to part with, but that seemed like that would have been a win. Uh, just going into the actual Rui Hachimura trade, Tommy Shepard has done some interviews and um, a couple of those, he's, he's kind of explained the rationale for the trade. He said recently, unfortunately, when you're building teams, you have windows and there are budgets and there's a lot of projections ahead of what ultimately your team can do to stay competitive, to stay better each year than you were the previous year. And it just kind of came down to numbers and roles. Ultimately, I think the role Rui was looking for was probably something that didn't exist here with minutes and shots and stuff. I value him. He's a hell of a player for us, but we've had a kind of player burst onto the scene for us and his fit with Bradley Beal and Chris Porzingis. Those are three 20-point scores in the NBA. Presumably, he's talking about Kyle Kuzma there. I don't know that Kuzma necessarily just burst onto the scene and that killed Rui's role, but that did happen you know, while Rui missed the first half of last season. So um, I guess, I don't know, two seasons ago at this point is burst on the scene, but I followed it up by saying we could always score the ball. We just had trouble getting stops. I think it was important that Denny sees the floor. Sometimes it just comes down to really hard, difficult choices. And I think it's a really good opportunity for Rui. And it's really good for us to open up those minutes for Denny. I, I still find it hard to believe that like, I, to me, it's like a happy byproduct for them that they got to open up minutes for Denny. And, and he's looked mostly good in them. I know everyone who's pro Denny takes the victory lap after the two good games and are, are mysteriously silent after the one not so good game. But overall, he's been more good than bad after the trade. And even in the game where I didn't think he was very good, he was still more aggressive. So I, I think that's, that's worked out that way. To me, it was just they had to move on from a player that they tried to trade and had failed, and the player got salty about it. Uh, I guess, what do you think the real motivation behind the Rui Hachimura trade was for Washington? Do you buy that it was them trying to like unlock Denny? I feel like there was a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that unfortunately didn't get reported, although it's probably for the best that it didn't get reported. Uh, we saw uh, statements from Rui Hachimura before being traded that he wants to be somewhere where he's wanted. We saw him kind of oust himself from the team on the sidelines and in the locker room at times. And also on top of that, look at how the bench has reacted since he was traded. They've been actively cheering each other on and really engaged in the game, even when they're sitting on the bench. That's something we never saw before. 
or if we did, it was in very rare spurts. And on top of that, Rui Hachimura was a big part of last year's turmoil where there was all sorts of problems with in the locker room and with chemistry. So I don't believe that was to open up uh, minutes for Denny Avdia, but I do believe that he may have been a problem in the locker room for the team. Uh, just, just knowing what I know about people involved there, I, I would be surprised if, if Rui was actively uh, causing issues because he's, he's kind of a, a quiet, low-key, soft-spoken guy. That doesn't mean that there weren't some, to, to your point there, but I, I doubt that this was a like Montrez Harrell, KCP fighting in the locker room and halftime kind of situation. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't think he was actively part of it, but I do think there were a few guys on the roster that he didn't get along with, or even like the coaching staff that he may not have gotten along with. Cause we know Wes Unsell juniors had some issues with players in the past. And that's been a major reason for some players getting traded has been just issues with the coach, whether or not that's one-sided or if it's coming from both ways, it's, I haven't really seen too much regarding those reports, but I just don't think that it's just opening minutes for Abdi. Yeah. You mentioned there he might have some issues with certain players on the team. Is, is there someone specific that you're aware of that he's had, I don't know, fallout with or anything? I haven't seen anything on there, but I do know that they, the front office does listen to guys like Bradley Beal, probably to a fault. And that was something that John Wall said was a big reason why he got traded was he had a falling out with Bradley Beal. So I could see like if Bradley Beal and him had a disagreement over something, I could see that playing into a, a major role into why he got, why they decided to move on from him. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it, it could, could certainly be some behind the scenes stuff. I think that's always interesting. And you find this stuff out a couple of years later that, that maybe some of that was going on. So be uh, one of those things we should keep uh, on the lookout for the team right now, to your point, we've seen, uh, the post of Chris Tapps Porzingis and Denny Avdia and Kyle Kuzma kind of out and about in San Antonio and, and KP calling them uh, Kuzma, the third Euro on the team. And seems like guys are getting along. You've got DeLon Wright saying that he feels the most confident uh, he's been with an organization since he was in Toronto and thinks it's a great fit for him to be in DC. It, it does seem like guys are, are gelling and clicking at this point. Uh, if Delon is confident in the direction of the team, I, I guess, are you as a fan and someone who is writing about this team confident in the direction of the team? Um, there's a few things that do fill me with confidence, a few things that fill me with a bit of worry. Um, number one, I've really, really, really liked what I've seen out of Denny Avdia the last few games. They're moving him into a position that is what he played in Israel before he got drafted as a point forward Draymond Green type player. Whereas before they traded Hachimura, they liked playing him in that catch and shoot in the corner type role. So I do really like what they're doing with him. I like the role that they've put Kristaps Porzingis in before, and I've liked the role that they've given other role players like DeLon Wright. The things that fill me with the parts that fill me with worry are the fact that they seem obsessed with the idea of getting that eight seed, nine seed somewhere in there where they're probably not going to make it out of the first round against either the Celtics, Bucks, or Nets. So they're pro they might lose their first round pick this year if they do make it into the playoffs, which with the age of the team is a bit worrying. This came up with uh, the homies in the group chat. So uh, shout out to, to the Wizards group chat of, of what the outcome 
uh, that we should most expect for the season would be. And there's sort of three, I think, potential scenarios that seem particularly wizardsy. The first one is they make the playoffs. Uh, or, excuse me. They make the play-in round, but they lose and end up keeping their lottery pick, which is going to be in a good 2023 draft. But then that still means that they owe the pick next year or the year after that, and that limits their ability to trade future picks in a trade. Uh, number two scenario here is they make the play-in round, win the play-in round, actually make the playoffs, but get swept in the first round by the Celtics and end up losing their pick to the Knicks or whoever the Knicks decided to trade it to, but they can now trade future ones. Or the third option, which I think is probably the least likely, they absolutely bottom out and they end up with a like top 10 pick, uh, let's say. I guess one of those three scenarios, which do you think is more realistic? And two, which would you prefer to be the outcome for this season of those three? I think the most realistic is them losing in the play-in. I don't think they're a fantastic team. I think they're a good team with a ton of talent and a ton of upside, but they're missing a piece or two. They need a starting point guard. They need a backup center. They just aren't quite there yet as a team. They don't have a complete roster. Granted, that could easily change at the deadline. But right now, they're just not in a position as a team to really compete, I think. Um, my preferred option would be actually for them to make the play-in and then lose because there are a few players in the draft that I think could really, really benefit this team going forward, those being Case and Wallace and Anthony Black. I really like those two players and their fit with this roster. I think they could both bring this team to the level that the front office seems to believe is possible. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I'm, I'm sort of with you here, right? Like you could get the sort of, uh, I don't know, like pat yourselves on the back moment if you're the front office and say, see, we made the playoffs, even though it's only the play-in round. And then, you know, you still keep a lottery pick. And I would say even if you end up with the 14th pick, for example, in this year's draft, it, it's still going to be better than most of the guys who went, I don't know, let's say like nine through 15 in last year's draft. So uh, to me, this is a this would be a tough draft to miss out on. I could also see them somehow sneaking their way into that first round, similar to the the Westbrook year and, you know, playing somebody that that's much better than them in the first round. And, and maybe they steal a game or something like that uh, or lose a close, you know, sweep series or something. But uh, maybe Tommy Shepard finds a way to go out and buy a late first round pick or trade for a late first round pick in some way. And I don't know, we could we could be underwhelmed by whoever they go out and get. Maybe they could go out and get Keegan's uh, twin brother, uh, Chris Murray, who's been really good for Iowa this year. Again, sort of a, a you know a, a forwardy type guy that that ha has some three and D capabilities. So I don't know. I could see them trying to pull off something like that. Uh, I guess just that's how this year could play out. Play out. And the question is, what do they do beyond that? Uh, just just I don't know. As broadly as I can ask this, is Tommy Shepard the guy to do this? Like to organize this team to lead them into the future? Are are you buying or selling Tommy stock? So with Tommy, it kind of depends. If he can learn how to draft and just take the best available, I think he could do something with this team. But right now, he just keeps he keeps picking players that probably should not go where they went, and it's just not working out for them right now. Like an example I really love bringing up every single time I talk about one of my favorite players in the league, A.J. Green, Every time I talk about him, I always mention he's doing better than Johnny Davis is in the NBA when J Johnny Davis is playing in the G League. Yeah. 
all of the advanced stats back up AJ Green and the NBA, and he was undrafted. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's been a real diamond in the rough find for Milwaukee. And and I think teams like that, you know, the good teams not only find guys with their actual lottery picks, but they find them wherever they can find them. And, and that's something the Wizards have tried to do. I think the Jordan Goodwin pickup has been pretty good as an undrafted player as well. But yeah, you're right that you've got to hit on some lottery picks. It, it's weird to me, though, like because Tommy clearly has an eye for talent when trading. It's not like he's always trading for these guys that are super established, like the Porzingis one, like, okay, yeah, like we all know Porzingis was really good before some injuries, uh, but it's not like Davis Bertans was lighting the world on fire in San Antonio before they traded for him. He was better here other than that last year uh, than he was in San Antonio for the most part. And then uh, even just like Kendrick Nunn, he realized that there was still something left there in the tank to go out and get. The Daniel Gafford one, I think is particularly reflective of that. And they found these sort of buy low guys uh, that that have been okay. Like they they got serviceable minutes out of Alex Len after he was kind of given up on by other teams and and they've made the most of people like that. So he, he can spot guys that still have something left to offer at the NBA level. He just can't seem to do it before they've played any NBA minutes. And I can't really reconcile why, why that seems to be a struggle. I Absolutely agree with you. I think he is very good at doing kind of like the Pat Riley thing of looking at where at solid players who just aren't getting the right role, aren't getting the right situations, or even just upset on the team they're on and going and getting them for cheap. Pat Riley's done that ever since he took over with the Heat. But I don't think he has, I don't think he's able to find talent in players who haven't already played at the NBA level. I think that's something he's really struggling with. I think right now he's just really, really getting, uh, he's really, really good at finding players who are already established as they're good, but they're in a situation that's not good for them. He's fantastic at finding those players. This is something that seems rectifiable at the very least. If, if you're Tommy Shepard, you're you're not only the GM, but you're the team president. You could bring someone into that general manager role or replace the scouting department or promote somebody from somebody else's scouting department. I would be calling like whoever is like lower down the rungs in Memphis. I, I've heard some uh, from some friends who who work in and around agencies and things like that as they're getting players ready, that most of those diamonds in the rough that the Grizzlies have found have actually been spotted by Tayshaun Prince, who is sort of the um, secondary in the secondary role within the general manager um, core team of, of uh, the Grizzlies, maybe you could go out and pry somebody like that away. That's clearly got an eye for talent and uh, the Grizzlies. I've loved all of their draft picks for the most part. And, and the wizards, if they had a sort of half their success, I think would be in a better place right now overall. So there's just gotta be something they could go out and do. The other thing that's been reported and on the table here uh, per the athletic the Wizards, Suns, and Knicks are all teams to monitor if Bob Myers decides to leave the Golden State Warriors. I guess, do you buy that there's any possibility of somebody like Myers coming to the Wizards? And two, would you welcome that addition to the, you know, to the front office staff? So Bob Myers is actually one of my favorite GMs in the league. I really like a lot of what the Warriors have done over the last decade. Uh, I really like the style of basketball they play, although that's largely due to Steve Kerr and Steph Curry. Uh, he's a fantastic GM, and I think due to the fact that he's having issues getting along with, or agreeing with, rather, 
some of the star players and the owner about the direction that he wants to go. He keeps drafting 19-year-olds like Jonathan Kaminga, James Wiseman, Patrick Baldwin Jr., when everybody else wants them to be drafting seniors that can contribute now. He, uh, I could see him wanting to go to a franchise that many see as kind of a train wreck. Great example here would be the Washington Wizards and try to rebuild it and say, hey, look, I can build a team out of anything. I could see that as like a Danny Ainge type thing where he just wants to go and prove that he's he's that guy. Yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, there's always going to be some comments that, you know, he lucked into Steph Curry or whatever. And uh, mm-hmm. you've got KD coming that was beyond his control or whatever and, and sort of shorting his value in the process. So I, I think you're right that there might be some kind of ego component there, or pride component on his part that, that might make that uh, sort of more appealing. If I'm him going in and fixing the Suns probably isn't as big a deal as a team that just recently made a Western Conference Finals or an NBA Finals, excuse me, um, in the last two seasons. So yeah, if I'm him, like the, the Wizards and Knicks, like, okay, the Knicks have more resources. The Wizards are like the ultimate challenge. Like no one has built a real winner here uh, in, I don't know, 50 years. So being able to do that, I think is one way to get yourself at the top of sort of the, the GM, um, you know, pecking order at that point. I think it would take a lot to get him to leave a cushy situation. Their owner in Golden State, uh, Joe Lacob, is notoriously kind of tough to deal with. I don't know what Ted is like for them to deal with. I know there's been a lot of sort of mandating of direction and, and maybe potentially handcuffing Tommy Shepard behind the scenes a little bit here. So uh, that that may not appeal to someone like Myers unless they're kind of like backing the Brinks truck up at his house to, to get him to you know come that way. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned the draft record there with uh, Golden State. I mean, their recent draft record has not really been any better than the Wizards. Realistically, they've had almost as many lottery picks, if probably not more, over the last four years. And none of them are playing like super meaningful, productive minutes at the moment. I was higher on Jonathan Kaminga than just about anybody. I'm not willing to give up on that yet, just because he was always going to take some time. But you've got James Wiseman that's like virtually unplayable for them. Moses Moody, they've been just like, noticeably worse when he's on the floor to the point where they're playing undrafted player, Anthony lamb out of Vermont ahead of both of those guys. And you know, I, again, he's finding people kind of on the fringes and stuff like that. But uh, if we, if we're looking for somebody to come in here and drastically improve the lottery uh, drafting record, Myers might not be the guy at this point in his career. Um, one thing I would like to and put on there is the fact that Jonathan Kuminga, I am insanely high on him, right? He's a fantastic player. He's been a major part of the team and they've been really good with him on the floor. He's even been seeing closing minutes recently. Mm-hmm. He's playing with Curry, Thompson, I believe Wiggins green and green as their closing five. He's and he started the season slow, but I've really liked what he's done this season. Um, I think he's probably the uh, probably the best player they've drafted since I want to say Draymond Green, but I'm I'm sure I'm missing somebody in there. Uh, Jordan Poole really was like, a pretty pretty good uh, late first round draft pick for them too. Yeah, Poole Poole was a pretty it was a fantastic draft pick, uh, but I also see where a lot of the critics for Jordan Poole are coming from, and saying that he might not be a franchise guy going forward. I see where that criticism comes from. Uh, absolutely. Now, so, go ahead. 
No, I, I'm just agreeing with you. I, I think there's yeah. um, th- there's been some good and some bad there. And I think that's sort of more in line with how it works for even the best general managers. Uh, we we want to know why we didn't draft four stars with our top 10 picks, I think. And a lot of times that's unfair. If one of those guys had been a win, uh, we'd, we'd see this maybe a little differently. Or if they'd had one guy that they picked 23rd overall, you know, pop, we, we'd give kind of Tommy Shepard more of the benefit of the doubt at least. Yeah, I absolutely agree. If if they had one fantastic pick where they just looked like they were capable of starting an NBA game on a regular basis, other than Corey Kispert, then I think we would look at him much more favorably. Now, don't get me wrong. I really like Denny Avdia, and I think he can be great if he develops a jump shot. But right now, he's just not at that level yet. Uh, absolutely. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't a situation where we're trading, you know, 25 year old Chris Weber for Mitch Richmond or anything like that. Like Tommy's not had one of those kind of moves. If anything, he's been on the better end of sort of the, um, the, you know, the trading, uh, spectrum, I would say trading Westbrook and getting Kuzma is honestly kind of like the inverse of Richmond, uh, and Chris Weber trade. Uh, not that Kuzma is as good as Chris Weber, but I think you get where I'm, I'm going with that old for young forward kind of deal, but yeah, you just, you, you got to pop on one of these picks. So I, I think if he's the guy making this year's pick, if they keep their pick, this will be his most important draft pick by far. Like if he, if this one, he hits out of the park, I think people could probably quickly uh, forgive the Johnny Davis thing. Uh, you know, assuming he turns into at least like a, I don't know, semi-productive uh, bench player down the road. I absolutely agree with you. And like I said earlier, Cason uh, Wallace, Anthony Black, I think are where he's going to be leaning towards just due to the fact that this team desperately needs a starting caliber point guard. Uh, yeah, those guys both bring a lot to the table. I'm sure we'll have some more draft coverage here in the next couple of weeks. Uh, so those are some names to, to keep an eye on. I think both of those names were mentioned in NBC Sports' most recent mock draft that they did, uh, you know, it, it sort of in contention for the Wizards pick. So. I think you're uh, you're not alone in liking those two names uh, for the Wizards longer term. Gibson, anything okay. else you want to talk about or cover here that we haven't gotten to yet that uh, I think the people need to know? Um, I don't believe so, no. Okay. Uh, what are you working on? Anything you have coming up? And, and again, where can people find your writing? Uh, I write over at Wiz of Oz through Fansighted. Uh, it's W-I-Z of A-W-E-S. Um. That's where you, anybody can find my writing or you can follow me on Twitter and I retweet everything that comes out of that site as well. Any uh, articles you have in the hopper that are that are coming out here soon or do we want to uh, plug um, your most recent one on, on the trade deadline stuff too? I did one last night on Kyle Kuzma and po- that I actually mentioned earlier on Kyle Kuzma possibly being pried out of the Wizards with a good enough pick. Uh, I, I tend to do my writing like the night before. Sure. And do a ton of research during the, uh, as I'm writing it. So I don't have anything in the hopper just yet, but I'll probably have something going up tomorrow as well. Awesome. Well, I look forward to, to reading this most recent one on the trade deadline and keep an eye on stuff you have coming up uh, in the future here too. Gibson, thanks for taking the time to do this. It was a lot of fun to, uh, to catch up on the team here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody, you know, the drill rate review, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are presented by BetOnline.ag, and we will catch you next time.
Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.